friends, a few years ago I was uh, talking to an international student uh, here at UT, and I was asking her what she was studying, and she said that she was studying environmental engineering. And I said, what are you interested in in that area? What do you look? And she said, I'm really interested in this uh, concept called desert greening. And uh, I asked her about it, because I had no clue what that meant, and not sure I still do, uh, three years later or so. So I had to Google it a lot. And, but she explained to me that she, came, she comes from a part of the world uh, where deserts are uh, very commonplace. And there's a, a process now, because of modern advances in technology, in which uh, deserts can be reclaimed and converted into these areas of biodiversity that can provide incredible sources of food and energy for the rest of the world. You know, you introduce uh, water, uh, water sources, and then you, through farming and forestry, you turn this, what was a parched, dry land, into uh, a green space that produces energy uh, for the rest of the world. I want to propose today that God wants to desert green our hearts and our lives. And that's the image that Isaiah uses in the first reading. He says, he prophesies about a time when all of the parched and dry land will become like a garden. It will blossom and flourish and become green. And so I, I was thinking about what are the deserts that afflict us? I want to talk about three different types of deserts that uh, Advent puts before us and proposes before us. And then specifically the type of patience. Patience is the, the virtue uh, that our second reading, James, gives us. He says as a, as a, a farmer has to be patient with, with his crops, so too do you have to be patient uh, with, with God's timing and with yourselves. Right? And so I want to propose the kind of different kinds of patience that are required to navigate through uh, these three deserts. The first desert are, is the areas of life that may never get totally green in this world. Think here of, of um, physical sufferings, physical disabilities, circumstances of life that are beyond often your control. Right? These are areas that we don't often have much of a say sometimes in whether they fully become green in this life. It's the desert of, as I talked about on the first Sunday of Advent, of unfulfilled expectations. Right? That there's a, a patience that is for the whole human experience. Right? It's a patience that, that just understands and concedes the provisional nature of human life. That all deserts may not become green in this world. That the desert's not fully going to become green as a whole until the kingdom to come. Right? And so we see, even in Isaiah's prophecy, this kind of layered approach because even when Jesus, the Messiah, came, right, Isaiah says that. Uh, all the dead will be raised and, and those who are blind will be able to see and the deaf will be able to hear and there'll be no more weeping and sorrow. And Jesus certainly hints at that in his public ministry by healing the blind and the deaf and raising those, the dead to life. But we all know that there's still blindness and there's still deafness and there's still death and there's still weeping and there's still mourning. 
that will not fully be green until the kingdom to come. And so the first patience that's required of us through the desert of all of the th areas of our life that are beyond the scope of our control is a patience for the provisional nature, as good as this world can be, the provisional nature of the human experience. The second desert I want to call the deserts of our sins. These are the aspects of the desert that we, we fight against if becoming green. That by our own actions and decisions, we actually make it more difficult, right, for the desert to become green. You know, there's, there's a temptation always for Christianity to not talk about sin so much. Right? There's certainly been times in the history of Christianity where sin was talked about too much. Right? It was an obsessive emphasis. In some ways, I think today we've, we've made the, the reverse problem. Right? We don't talk about sin. Right? We like to say just kind of, you're fine where you're at. But, it, but it's hard to read the Gospels and kind of sit with that view because Jesus and John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist is the figure that's put before us. That's kind of all he talks about is repent. You know, you're spiritually sick. As I talked about last week, John the Baptist like is on the scene to just tell the bad news. Like you're spiritually sick. You need Jesus. You need God. You're not as healthy as you think you are, right? He's, he's there to remind us that we are doing certain things that are making the greening process of the desert more difficult. So he says repent, repents from the, the Greek word, which means literally to, to change your mind, right? And it's really hard to change our mind, right? Because we're inundated with another whole worldview all the time. Like I think about this even as a priest. It is hard for me as a priest to keep my mind focused on the divine things within the world. Right? Because I'm so inundated with a view that says that this world is all that there is. And all I should do is chase material pleasure and sense pleasure and power and honor and reputation. Like that's what I should be interested in. That's, that's like what I consume like most of the time. And it's hard to change my mind constantly and say, you know what? The Christian worldview is to see where God is operative in all this. Right? So repentance is, is not just about our behaviors, but it's about the, a, a way that we, we see the world. And I want to advocate patience here, patience for the gradualness of how we incorporate change into our life. Right? When we have a true encounter with, with Jesus and John the Baptist calling us to be better, right? we can't panic. Right? This is sometimes what happens, or a lot of my time, you might say, spent with college students is like, they, they want to change some things about their life that they don't think are in sync with living a Christian life. But, but, they've, but they've sort of been inculcated and inundated with the other way of life their whole life. And so that doesn't get stripped away overnight. That's a process. And we have to be patient with the gradualness with which we're converted in the heart and in the mind. And so this second type of desert, the desert of our own sins, the areas where we actually slow the greening process of the desert, right? We're called to be patient with how, how gradually we incorporate 
that into our life. The final desert, I want to call the desert of doubt. The desert of doubts about God, about ourselves, and about others. It's really interesting. I don't know if you kind of caught this, or it struck you that John the Baptist in the gospel is really wrestling with if Jesus is the guy. Now, mind you, in the, you know, in Luke's account, right, John, uh, John leaps in the womb, right? You have this really playful scene, these babies, uh, right? I don't know if you've ever seen these really cute videos on, like, social media of when babies, like, interact for the first time. It's absolutely adorable, right? They're meeting another baby. But we have that scene where John leaps in the womb when he detects the presence of Jesus in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So they're first cousins, okay? They're first cousins, and John's like, from prison, he's like, send, send, some, send some of my people to talk to your people and make sure you're actually the one. Or should I look for better candidates? Right? Now, I kind of get this because I want you to bring to mind right now, as a collective, all of your first cousins. <laughs> all right? You're probably going to see a lot of them over the Christmas break. Are any of them? A great candidate to be the savior of the world. Like, I love my first cousins. Love seeing them. But there is not one in that bunch that would be a great candidate to be the savior of the world. So I would think, you know, like, you're telling me my first cousin is the savior of the world. I'm not buying it. I need to ask some deeper questions about this reality. Right? So he has doubts about the identity of Jesus. Right? We have doubts about ourselves. We have doubts about our own goodness, about our self-worth. Sadly, uh, and some of you may have read this or, or known this young man. Yesterday, I visited this celebration of life for Zach Barden um, at Wildwood, who I grew up playing tennis with. And again, the second person in the tennis community that took their own life within the last year. Um, and I, I just that stuff just kills me, right? That. And again, self-doubt combined with, obviously, mental illness and other things that could have played a role in all that. But it's like that level of self-doubt, not believing that I'm worthy, not believing that I make a contribution to the world, that if I didn't exist uh, tomorrow, no one would notice, right? Those kind of, of self-doubts. That's a desert. It's a deep desert for many people. And a desert about our doubts about others, whether others can... Uh, change, whether others can be lovable, uh, whether others can ever meet my expectations, right? These are all deserts that we experience. And again, I want to put forward patience, right, as the model. Patience with God. God can handle the big questions, whether it be John the Baptist or Job or any of the other figures who pose God really big questions. God can handle those questions. Often in my own life, I found that when I've doubted certain things about the Christian revelation, um, and I kind of panicked about him. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to resolve this right now or else like, I have to cease being a Christian. Right? I would panic. Right? And what I often found is that over time, with more lived experience, with talking with wise people in the area, with thinking through it some more, giving it some time, oftentimes those doubts did resolve themselves or I could integrate those questions or wrestlings with other things that I came to believe to be true. And so patience with ourselves as we wrestle with the bigger questions of God.
patience with ourselves in terms of our own self-doubt. Uh, I had, um, just on a personal level, just a really dark period in my own life personally uh, in terms of depression and, and things of that nature. And it took, it took patience and it took a huge network of people to help me through that time um, to get me to a place many years later where I can't even imagine that I was there. Right? But it took, it took patience. It took suffering, as the word means, as I talked about on the first Sunday of Advent. And it took other people helping me to navigate that time in love, right? to stick with me uh, and to show me love through that time. And then our self-doubt, our doubts about others. James says, I don't know if you caught that in the second reading, he says, do not complain about your brothers and sisters, lest you will be judged. Right? Do not complain about other people, lest you will be judged. Because every time we complain about someone else, it's usually a reflection of the fact that we see in the other person something that's undesirable in us. Right? That's why we notice it often. We notice in others imperfections precisely because they reveal often some imperfection uh, in ourselves. And so do not complain. Be patient with others as God is patient with us. So the desert of doubt, of, of doubts about God and self uh, and others. So friends, I want to propose on this third Sunday of Advent uh, this incredible phenomenon that modern technology has made possible of desert green, the turning of arid areas into blossoming green areas that produce uh, goods for human beings, right? That's a really new phenomenon that's made possible by modern technology. God's been doing this for a long time. God's been doing desert greening for a long time. Some of that greening may never be fully realized until the life to come. Some of that greening is, is slowing and because of our own sins that we need to repent of and convert from. And some of that greening just requires incredible patience with how we wrestle with God, with ourselves, and with others. So let's be confident uh, today as we journey through Advent that God desires to desert green our hearts and our lives.